Welcome to this month's BP Leadership Lesson. Today you are going to hear an incredible lesson from Bill entitled, How Leaders Handle Problems. Now, let's dive into part one to see what he has to say. All right, today let me jump right in. You know, I teach this, I teach biblical leadership. We're the only company that does that. We take Bible characters and then we'll take examples from their life and show you how they led. Some of those were leaders that were community leaders. Some of those were prophets. Some of those were just heads of homes, some heads of tribes. Those of you can all, in this room, whether you own a business or whether you're managing something or you're a housewife or you're overseeing your children, the fact is whatever realm you're in, everybody's a leader, everybody. And everybody has some influence. And our goal is to grow our influence and influence people in the right direction so that we can all live in a better world as well. So let me show you one today. It's a familiar story. I call this how leaders handle problems. How leaders handle problems. I used to learn as, a, as I was growing up and I got associated with people that were making a difference. I realized that one of the main differences was that they thought differently. It, it was between their ears. It wasn't that they didn't have the same circumstances or adversity. It was somehow they could see things differently. And, um, and I was always a, a student of that. I would look at that and say, why did they act that way? And the deeper I dug, the more I realized they were doing it by experience. They'd been somewhere, learned something, and they were making wise decisions because of what they've learned on their life journey. And so that's what I want us to do today and understand how leaders make, those, uh, make decisions, how they handle problems. Uh, today, we'll look real quickly at, you know, the familiar story in the Bible of David and Goliath, okay? Now, David, in, in, you know, I won't go through that whole story about how he was, a, a, he was just a little shepherd boy, and, and he was recognized and called up, and he'd be a king one day. But when they first called him to be the new king, he had not yet seen the palace. He'd not yet seen the throne. He didn't know anything about it. He was a shepherd boy. He walked up one day and there was a prophet named Samuel that said, I'm looking for the king, the new king that God's going to put in place. And seven brothers of his were standing in line. Outwardly, they all looked great. But somehow Samuel knew that's not them. He was looking for the it factor. He wanted to find somebody. He just knew it resonated. That's the guy. And suddenly what happened was, is he said, do you have another son? They said, well, I got one. He's in the field tending sheep. He said, well, I'm not leaving until you bring him in. They brought him in. The minute Samuel saw him, he identified that's him. And when he did, that was when he was now called to be the king. He was recognized publicly. He will be the king one day. But remember, he hadn't seen the palace yet. He hadn't seen the throne. David goes right back in the field after anointing. Now, the next time you see David, the next time you see him, he's going to face a problem. The next time you see him, He's taking some food to his brothers who are in a war. And when he goes there as this, this young teenage boy, he hears this great big giant up on a hill and he's threatening the whole nation. He's saying, send somebody out to fight. And if he represents for you, for you and if he beats us, we'll be your slaves. If I beat him, uh, then you'll be ours. And all of the army of Israel was afraid. History tells us that most of them at that day thought their history was over. And yet... What happens is, is David overhears all this. And, and here's what I know. Before the throne always comes a test. Before the throne comes a test. Sometimes we think, well, I can get from here to here easy. You won't stay there if you, if you do. 
You have to have those steps of test and adversity and problems and all of those things to grow into the place. It ought to be that when they're looking for the leader, that it's not somebody who's just read all the books, but it's somebody who's got something. I had a guy come to me many years ago and and he wanted to be, I could see, and I don't, you know, I don't judge him for it. Everybody has some need. And, uh, and what he wanted was, he said, I just want to grow something bigger, and I, I want to be where people would listen to me. And, and, and he was trying his best. He was really wanting to say, I want a bigger platform. And, and I said, listen, you don't have to market. You don't have to advertise. If you will just get the goods... People will come to you to get the goods. All you got to do, you get the goods and, and they'll hear about it. It'll rumble. You'll be a conversation piece one day. Have you rode by and seen that business booming? Have you noticed that church growing? Have you seen that company? Have you noticed this? The word will get out. So you don't worry about trying to get known. You just get the goods and they'll come to you to get the goods. So there's always the test before there's the throne. I believe it's this, that, that God develops us through our problems. I know we hate problems. I hate them. You hate them. You know, we got that, that song, you know, I got problems, you got problems. All of God's children have problems. We all do. But problems are oftentimes disguised as a growth opportunity. You look back now and you'll say, I probably grew more during the problems. And there's a basic law of leadership that all of you can know in company, and that is, uh, if somebody ever comes to you and says, well, I... Nobody listens to me around here. They don't, they don't listen to me. I'll tell you why. You're not solving problems. In fact, if you'll solve a problem, you'll move up in leadership. It's the people that solve problems that people start turning to. They start listening to. I was, I was the low man on totem pole at one particular organization I was at many years ago before I came here. And um, I see things differently. Not better, just differently. And so I, that got recognized by some of the leaders. And the CEO and them in the room, we'd be asking questions. And before they would close, they'd go, Bill, what do you think? And I remember one time my secretary said, have you ever noticed you're the youngest guy in the room, the newest guy in the room, but he never leaves without saying, what do you think? And sometimes, I remember one time I got the whole room in trouble. I got the whole room in trouble. And, um, and it was not good, but he asked me what I thought. And I said, I'll tell you privately. No, I want you to tell me publicly. And I said, you don't want me to tell you publicly. I'll tell you privately because they're all sitting right here. He said, Bill, you're going to tell me now. I want to know what the problem is. It's gone too long. So I said, okay. And I kind of had to call out some things and it wasn't a good day. But that was the day that suddenly I realized he respects something. I'm telling you, solve some problems and you'll, you'll, quick, you'll, you'll move your, your needle up. You'll go a little further. Let me get into some quick stuff for you, okay? Number one, leaders understand what problems can do. They understand what problems can do. Uh, a couple of things they can do to the negative. Number one is problems can intimidate you. That's exactly what happened when that giant came up every day, pounded his chest, said, send a man to fight for me. That's intimidating. This guy, by the way, was, was almost 10 feet tall. Wouldn't the NBA love to get their hands on him? Uh, for 40 days, not one day, but 40 days in a row, he comes up on this hillside and he says, send a man to fight for me. And he pounds his chest and they look at him and they get afraid. But also it tells us that every day when he came up, he inched closer. And it is not only was he standing there taunting them for 40 days and intimidating, but every day he inched a little closer, a little closer. And you know what happened? Their fear began to grow and their faith began to shrink. 
And every day he did it. Now, he had, a, he had a spear that weighed 25 pounds just ahead of it. And, and so it's true that problems can intimidate you. When you get a problem, the first thing can be, oh, no, what am I going to do? Problems also can enslave you. That was why Goliath said, uh, if, you, if you lose, you become our slaves. And literally, in whatever you lose in, generally, you will become the slave to that at some point. It may be that forever you're thinking in your head, I remember when I failed, I remember when I failed, I won't try it again, I failed. And it enslaves you. Here's what I know. If you do not deal with your problems, they will affect your life, they'll affect your work, they can affect your marriage, and they will affect your relationships, and problems can affect your health. I remember seeing a good guy years ago. I'm... I was probably, gosh, I must have been new in ministry at that time. I may be, I'm guessing, 20-something years old. And I remember, or 25, and I, and I remember I heard a guy in another room, and he was racist. And he was saying words that I, I would never say. And he was saying it to this other man, and I was thinking to myself, unbelievable, what is this? And, and then when the door opened, and I was going in to see the, the counselor after him for a lunch. I didn't have a problem, but this guy had problems. And when the guy that was racist came walking out, he looked as old, he looked as bitter. And as he came by me, we walked in, and the counselor wasn't going to reveal everything. He said, you could probably hear that. I said, yeah, I could, me and half the waiting room. And he said, Bill, I'll tell you something that's going to shock you. He said, you know how old that man is? I said, oh, he said, yes. And I said, I'm going to say 65, 70. He said he's 35 years old. And at that moment, when it dawned on me, here's a man that carries all this bitterness, all this hate. You know who it hurt the most was him. It, it, it hurt him. And so problems that we don't solve, issues that we carry on life, if we don't handle them, they will affect us in areas of our life that sometimes we didn't realize that was the real root source. The third thing about problems along that line, those problems can develop you. You think about this. This story of David and Goliath is not really about a young boy that killed a giant. It's really about the development of David. In the big picture, God's looking down and saying, I want a young boy. Nobody else sees the it factor. Nobody else sees the heart. Nobody else sees the passion. Nobody else sees his undying love. They don't see that. But God saw it. And so what God said was, I've got to use him and bring him through the process. And all this is, is really not the story of killing a giant. It's the development process that God uses in our lives to take us to the places so that when we get there, we're different, stronger, and better. In fact, they tell us this. Every problem introduces a person to himself. It's true. Every problem introduces us to ourselves. Uh, to really know what you're made of, just wait till you have a problem. I've seen some people that had problems, and I mean little problems, and you would think they're going through some kind of wartime torture. I mean, they've had a minor problem, and it's the biggest thing. They got to call everybody, tell everybody, oh, you don't know what happened to me. Today I pulled in the grocery store, and somebody cut me off, and my day is ruined, and, that, and, and that's the big problem. And then I've heard people that literally could sit beside me. And I remember one time a guy that I walked in the room and they told him he had 30 days to live. And I walked into his room and sat down beside him. And his name was Bob. And I just said, Bob, you know, I, I understand your wife just told me that they just told you. Here's his words. He looked over and he said, Bill, I don't say why, why me. And he patted me and he said, I say, why not me? 
All of my friends, and they're better than I am, they've had it. They've faced it. Why not me? Who am I that I'm exempt from any problem or things like that? And I couldn't help but think, his attitude so quickly in the midst of bad news was still, it was, it was one of those that still said, look, I, I'm not going to let this problem overwhelm me. I'm not going to die in this problem. And he literally through his whole days of life, his remaining days, I saw a man that never complained. I saw a man that, in my opinion, he finished so well. I said, wow. And he knew where he was going all along. And so what I tell you is this. When problems come, some people run. Uh, some people don't even want to hear about it. You know, there's some people that just give me the good news, give me the sunshine, don't tell me of the bad news. Uh, the lowest level of leadership is when you want to be deaf to problems. That's the lowest level. In fact, real leaders will say, tell me the problem. Now, I want to know. I don't like it. I may not enjoy it. But you can't fix what you do not see. You got to see a problem before you can solve a problem. And so that's one. Another along that line is this, leaders often pay a price in criticism. In fact, we live in a day that's different now. We live the most odd day, social media. You know, when I was younger, people just stood for what they stood for, and they, they, they didn't care what anybody thought, and most of the world didn't know them anyway. Nowadays, anything you say can be taken out of context, misdorted, and misled, and, and you can lose a whole reputation over one word you've said or one thing you've done that didn't even apply. They can take it out of context. And, and leaders understand criticism goes with the turf. Did you know that David, before he went out there to kill the giant, his own brothers who should be his support? Now, if David were my little brother, I'd be thinking, oh, no, you're not going to fight that giant. And you got six more of us. We're going out there. We're not letting our baby brother go out there and risk his life. But you know what they did? They sent him out there. And they mocked him before he went. They said, oh, you just came out here to see the battle. And what are you? Why don't you go tend your sheep? And you're not big enough. And his own support group were the first people that criticized him. His own father never believed in him. And, and so you, as a leader, you've got to understand, you know, they talk about the heat in the kitchen. You're going to get that. You're going to get it at times. Not everybody's going to like what you do or what you say or the, the, they're going to question your motives. At the end of the day, you got to know that you've done what's the best you can do, and your heart's in the right place, and you did it for the right reason. And you can sleep well with that. And so here's what I know. People who reach giant levels, they have solved or faced giant problems. The people that reach the giant levels have faced giant problems. They've dealt with it. Uh, you're, and by the way, your promised land is on the other side of giant land. We always want to be in the promised land. Well, you got to kill some giants to get there, okay? It's not going to be easy. It, it, it won't be. But there's a part where if you ever get a taste of it, there's something enjoyable about it. It's a confirmation I'm on the right track. It's a confirmation I must be doing something in the right direction. And, and there's something about it that when you get a problem, you said, now I hear. We used to call it, did we hear the ground rumble? And if you made a decision, in fact, Years ago, I had a guy when I was pastor that was the most negative man in the world. I mean, he was, I miss him. He died years ago, but I miss him because he was the best guide for me. I just went opposite of whatever he said. And um, I remember that, you know, whatever it was, we can't do it, this won't happen. And, and, and I would listen to him. And I remember one night we were having a business meeting at the church and we were going to buy a sign to put out in front of the church. And, and so they were waiting and people were talking about it and discussing it. And I kept my eyes on him the whole time. And I didn't know if it's God's will or not. 
And finally, when the people were talking about it, they were all in favor about it, he was shaking his head, no, no, no. And I knew it. I said, it's God's will. Let's do it. And so I just told them, folks, I really believe now it's God's will. They didn't know. It wasn't that I heard God. It's I looked at him. (laughs) And and you know what was crazy? That night at 1 o'clock in the morning, my phone rings. The amount of the sign, I told them how much we'd have to raise to get it. My phone rings, a college-age boy by the name of Scott called me at 1 o'clock in the morning. All excited, I'm thinking somebody died. Pastor, you won't believe this. When my uncle died, he left me a ton of money. I want to buy that whole sign. And I'm thinking, wow. I looked at one man shaking his head, no, no, no. I felt, you know, don't go his direction. Let's just go with it. And then of all things, it was confirmed before the night was over. What I'm telling you is this. When you go through problems, they're on the other side of your giant land. You'll get that when you get there. We hope you enjoyed the first part of this BP Leadership Lesson. One great insight from this section is your promised land is often on the other side of giant land. Now, stay tuned for part two. To hear more lessons from Bill, be sure to check us out at bpleadership.com or the BP Leadership Podcast. This is where real leaders are made.